Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now your ears do not deceive you you've just entered the cryptid creator corner brought to you by your friends at comic book yeti so without further ado let's get on to the interview all right, hello and welcome to the Comic Book Yeti uh, Cryptid Creator Corner. This is Jimmy Gasparro, and I am here with uh, a comics creator uh, whose previous works include Wire Up Wrong, Stand in Your Power, The Rabbit, and Artificial Flowers. Um, she has worked on the Doctor Who 10th Doctor comic series, as well as uh, released a comic series about the pandemic under the hashtag Quarantine Comics, C-O-M-I-X. Uh, and uh, I am very pleased uh, to welcome uh, Rachel Smith to uh, the Triple C podcast. Hi, Hello. Rachel. How are you doing? I'm well. Very happy to be here. And yes, thank you so much for joining me. And we are here to uh, talk about Good Game, Well Played. Um, it mm -hmm. is a new graphic novel by Mad Cave Studios' Maverick Imprint and uh, for anyone listening, it is going to be in comic shops, uh, I believe, April 12th, and then bookstores May 3rd. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> great, great. So, um, well, let's just jump uh, right in about Good Game Well Played, and before we get to know a little bit more about you, um, so what can you tell me, what's the, I guess, the elevator pitch for Good Game Well Played? Um, it's about... Uh, five friends who are trying to save a struggling video game store that they all work at um, and the odds are <laughs> kind of stacked against them a little bit um, yeah it's a, it's basically about friendship and um, how like you get different a lot of different walks through life especially when you're the age that these characters are they're kind of early early teens which is a kind of horrible in-betweeny uh age to be i think i remember finding it quite difficult like every you're not really sure whether people are treating you as a child or an adult and they keep they seem to switch a lot um yeah this is a very long elevator pitch <laughs> um, I it's almost like i should have prepared um but yeah it's um it's about friendship and growing up and finding a place in the world uh when life is throwing some pretty pretty awful things at you sometimes and I um I was uh, uh, lucky enough to be able to um to read it. I, I loved it. I was oh, thank you. Yeah, I I you know um we get sent a, a lot of different things in terms of if we're going to review something at Comic Book Yeti or interview someone, and you know you don't always know what to expect when you read that synopsis about oh they friends that work in a video store and and they're trying mm -hmm. to save it and um was um not shocked. I mean surprised by. The, the characters are messy and I mean that in a very good way. These are, <laughs> these, these are kids on the verge of not being kids who are oftentimes dealing with situations that adults don't have the skills to cope with well. Um, yeah. And really leaning on each other. And I felt that that was, you know, I, I, uh, I have two kids myself. My kids are nine and four. I have two girls. Um, and, you know, thinking about, uh, I always think about my kids reading this when it's something that might be geared towards, you know, younger people than my 43-year-old self. And how refreshing it was to see, you know, kids that are dealing with really tough situations, but still uh, relying on each other, but also allowed, like you allow your characters to make mistakes and sometimes bad ones, mm. um, you know, and I think that's important for for young people to read and see in, in, in the media that they consume. Um, was that something that you were very conscious of when you were writing this? Yeah, um, 
uh, you're right people are people are messy my characters are messy <laughs> because people are messy um I kind of um I do borrow uh traits of real people for my characters um a lot of the time but um yeah I think that that point in in anyone's life I think there's a lot of pressure put on on young people when they go through that age you know you're you're suddenly meant to know what you want to do with your life and you know uh you maybe you maybe have just left school where you had to put your hand up to ask to go to the bathroom and and suddenly you're like well you have to know how to live and, and you know <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot of pressure all at once and and yeah I think these the kids in in my book um are feeling it and reacting to that in different ways um yeah some of them are more uh uh uptight about it than others but yeah that's where the kind of there's a lot of comedy in the book as well in in how the kids kind of uh riff off one another and uh, yeah their personalities kind of bounce off one another quite well um but yeah i uh, i definitely was uh thinking about yeah i mean kids go through a lot <laughs> and uh, yeah not everything is um is in our control a lot of the time and life is life is messy and people are messy and uh, yeah I somehow managed to wrangle those feelings into a, a book. <laughs> yeah, you, no, you did. You did. Uh, definitely. <laughs> and um, so the main characters, uh, there's uh, uh, Sienna, who um, the book opens with uh, Sienna's perspective. It's uh, mm. 10 years from when they were trying and, and working to save the video game store. Um, and we, we learn very early on that she's traveling back home uh, to attend a funeral. And, uh, you know, then the the the, the flashback uh, cuts in shortly thereafter. And we, we we meet the rest of the cast of characters, Hope, Art, Sid and and Joe um, is the out of all out of all the characters. Is there one that you were keyed into more than any of the others that you felt there was a little bit more of yourself in terms of writing or are they are your characters all, you know, separate from who Rachel is? <laughs> um, they're all quite, if I had to pick one that I am probably most like, it would probably be Sienna. Um, I hope I'm a little bit more self-aware <laughs> than she is. <laughs> but you know, that's what she has to work on. She comes from a very, very privileged background and she doesn't often, right. she's not often aware of that privilege. Um, but yeah, and the one sort of least like Sienna, I guess, would be Hope in a in a way. Like, um, and Hope is my favorite. You're not meant to have favorites, but I have a favorite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I the the relationship between her and Sienna, I I, I very much enjoyed writing. Um, Sienna has a very kind of black and white viewpoint of most things. Like, she has a very very uh, fixed idea of what is right and what is wrong and how people should behave and and yeah she wants everyone to be better and she wants to be better than everyone else and um, she also like loves her friends so much to the point where it's almost it's so difficult for her to even imagine any changes happening um, so hope sort of gets her to maybe question some of that like what's right and wrong for one person might not mm -hmm. be the same for another person we all have you know very different journeys through life and uh yeah, I don't know. I I do. I I don't know. What, I, I don't want to spoil anything. But yeah, they they go, their relationship is is interesting and in, in what they have to go through together in the book. Um, oh sure. But yeah, if I had to pick one that I was most like, it would probably be Sienna. <laughs> it was yeah, Sienna. Um, it, it really comes through in terms of Sienna's personality that she, you know she doesn't want anything to change, but she does love all of her friends. And throughout the book, mm -hmm. and I think you know without giving anything away. Um, she learns that maybe she doesn't know her friends as as well as she thought. Not anything, um, and not not necessarily in a bad way. Just th those things that we we keep to ourselves, even amongst our very mm. close friends. And I think a lot of the book is Sienna kind of realizing these things, uh, you know, about her friends, the things that are going on you know, behind closed doors or in their, their, mm. their personal lives and, and having to come to terms with that. And it's, it's really good to see as much as she's processing it herself, how she's also trying to be there for 
her friends. She's kind of, for the mo most part of the book that's set in 1999, she's kind of like the, the center of the wheel and the friends are the, yes. the spokes. And she's, she's kind of dealing with the changes and her own perspective and then also trying to help her friends through it. She tries to be a, you know, a good friend as well. And I thought that mm. was, um, you know, that, that was good that there, there wasn't, um, that, that, the, that she was able to still do that. That we got to see both perspectives, her dealing with it herself and, and how she tried to help her friends through it. Um, mm. Do you, I mean, when you were writing something like this and thinking about these friendships and especially over a 10 year period, do you ever go through and like reassess and think about, you know, your own friendships in your life and how they've changed and evolved over time and try and work some of those in? For sure, yeah, I mean, Sienna's, <laughs> Sienna's, yeah, funny because she kind of reminded me that, you know, you can try really, really hard to be a good person, but still make mistakes. And, and those two things can still be true. Um, but yeah, I, um, I mean, I, I love my friends very much and still, <laughs> and still get things wrong. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a part of friendship, isn't it? Like making mistakes and then having to make them right again. And um, sometimes that can help make friendships stronger because you've made mistakes and you have to own up to them. Um, but yeah, definitely um, I did, I did put this. Do you know what? The more we're talking, the more I'm realizing I am quite a lot like Sienna. <laughs> 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 but yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, she tries her best to, to be there for them. But yeah, she does make mistakes. <laughs> she she does. She does. Um, no, it was it, it, it was good to center. I, I think it was good to center, mm. you know, how you centered it on um, on Sienna. Um, yeah, I think it was a good kind of view from the ground going, going from Sienna's um, point of view of things. And then, yeah, yeah how and how different <laughs> some people's living situations are. Um, and I, I want to talk about the the rest of the creative team on this. It was Catherine Lobo mm -hmm. as the artist and colorist and um, Justin Birch as the letterer. Um, and also uh, Chris Sanchez edited and um, Chloe Brailsford was the uh, the sensitivity reader um, I, I saw. But so let, let's talk about uh, Catherine Lobo uh, for a second. How did Catherine become involved with this project? And how did the, you know, your collaboration work in terms of um, putting this, you know, together? I'm assuming most of this was done, you know, during the pandemic, um, you know, going back and forth online. How did that work in terms of, um, getting it together and how did you two connect um so yeah this was actually the last project that i worked on before the everything happened um oh, i finished okay. i believe i finished writing it in 2019 um and then catherine has been drawing it uh since then really um so yeah because i i talk about sorry i will talk about catherine in a second but um, oh, no. one of the things one of the things i did um to make sure my script was working was I got, I made dinner for all of my friends and I got them all around and made them read it out in front of me. Um, and obviously that's not how you experience a comic, but like, it was sure. just helpful for me to hear that dialogue and hear whether it was hitting the right notes and um, all of those things. And that was really lovely. But then once the script went to Catherine, then 2020 happened and it was really hard to even imagine that many people being in my kitchen like and I kept having to <laughs> like pinch myself like yeah I actually did that that was so strange it's <laughs> so strange to think of now um but that was a really nice thing to do um yeah just to make sure that dialogue was working and, and you know paying its way um but yeah I don't actually know how um Chris found uh Catherine I believe I believe this is her first um like graphic novel work um but she's just incredible um, oh yeah absolutely I, just, I mean it's yeah. it, it's surprising that if this is you know her the first graphic novel it, it mm -hmm. um the art's fantastic I mean yeah, that she definitely. did the art and colored it I mean mm -hmm. the characters are so lifelike they they jump right off of the page yeah like um you're very kind to mention like my you know I I kind of wrote these characters as very real 
once Catherine had drawn them, I thought they were going to walk off the page and start. <laughs> there was there was just like, yeah. Um, and getting those pages every day was like a gift. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't um, I don't often write and not draw. It's usually the other way around for me. Uh, well, usually I write and draw. Um, but when I do just do one of the jobs, I'm usually the, the, the artist. Um, so this was just a joy to be on this side of side of things and and ju to just see, yeah, how how Catherine interpreted my words and just, yeah, made them. She's made it something really special and it's amazing. <laughs> One of the things I really liked, um, Sid is um, <laughs> he skateboards and he always has a band. One of the running gags uh, throughout <laughs> are his band names. Um, mm. which were, were wonderful because uh, everyone yeah. has a story. <laughs> Every, I think everyone has a story where someone will say something, whatever it is, and it'll be like, that's a good band name. And so yeah. it, it, it felt like a lifetime of any, every time someone said that, it was a perfect kind of running gag to have Sid yeah, have a different- them, But none of them are good. They're all really dreadful <laughs> names. <laughs> I-, I um, I hope this, I mean, Lady Times was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. And he um, changes it weekly. He, he's always yeah. changing his mind. And they're always dreadful names. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good bit. But, um, but I was going to say, because Sid is into music, there's a couple of uh, times throughout where there will be a song or song lyrics. And like the sheet music is almost wrapped around the panels, which I didn't know if, if Catherine had come up with that idea for the layout, but it was a really nice effect to kind of see those lyrics. I don't know if, if, if she worked in conjunction with uh, Justin Birch, the letterer, but those panels, it really worked well to kind of see, you know, almost like a background soundtrack. It was very cinematic almost, um, and it, it worked really well yeah those pages are really beautiful and like i i wish i could say i i was more kind of like um influential in that i gave them such a half-baked idea i was like i don't know maybe you could make the song part of the page i don't know do something <laughs> clever with it and they just made it amazing and i was like oh i can't believe i gave them such a, a seed of an idea and they made it like this beautiful <laughs> um but yeah i i i would assume she would have worked with Justin with those um, pages very closely. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was a nice effect it, because you do illustrate and draw and and do both. Um, did you have to like consciously like when you saw pages come in to to not try and like not necessarily second guess, but you know I'm I'm sure as you're scripting it, you might have had your own idea of what the panels or pages would have looked like. Um, were you able to kind of let go and just say, wow, this is this is really good. And, you know, I'm going to let Catherine be in the driver's seat. Was that hard for you at all? It actually wasn't. Um, oh, good. And this sounds like I'm lying, but honestly, there wasn't a page that came in and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of thought she would go this way with that. But no, I it was all just really wonderful. <laughs> um, I think I did put a few times into the text, like if I did have an idea about how something could work, I would put that in there. But I did try and um, try and step back a little bit from that. Um, so if I'm writing for someone else, I often try and um, tell the person how the characters are feeling. So I won't say like, oh, he has a big smile because that's a bit spoon feeding I think I, I, I'd rather say like oh this is what's on their mind and then because Catherine's such a, a great artist she'll interpret that in in a much more kind of organic way if that makes sense um yeah, so I, yeah I tried not to to be spoon feedy <laughs> I tried to just think <laughs> her the ingredients and she'll yeah bake this beautiful cake <laughs> excellent um well uh you know, since uh, Good Game Well Played has, uh, you know, a flashback in it, now that we've talked about it and everyone knows essentially what it's about, I want to go back to talk about, you know, you. How did you get your start in comic books? Um, gosh, so I've always drawn ever since I could, um, was old enough to hold a pencil. And then when I was a little bit older, I, I started writing stories and stuff. 
Um, so I guess comics was just the perfect kind of marriage of those two passions. Um, but yeah, it wasn't till I, I mean, I came a little bit later in life to comics. I think I was 23 when I decided I kind of wanted to do something with illustration. I'd had like other more proper jobs before then, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I started with kind of diary comics, um, which is where a lot of people, I think, cut their teeth on uh, getting to grips with, with comics. Um, my first kind of project was called One Good Thing. And it was, I would have to, I would draw um, kind of a positive thing that happened to me every day. And then I would collect those up into months. So I'd get all of the March drawings and put them in a little book and like go down to my local printer and get 20 printed or something. And then like go to, to comic fairs and comic festivals and try and get people interested. And yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. So I started very, very small <laughs> and then, yeah became very very slowly <laughs> worked my way up uh, <laughs> um were you a fan of, of comics um before then in term before you decided to work in them in terms of reading comics I mean did you grow up with them and I know you say you came a little bit later in terms of deciding mm. to work in them um I I used to read things like Sonic the comic when I was a kid and um and uh my brothers really liked Tintin and I used to borrow those okay. and things like that um but then I kind of fell out with comics a little bit I I kind of had these weird prejudices about them when I was sort of in school and in college they just all looked like they were superheroes and they don't really do do much for me um sure. since then I I have enjoyed some superhero comics but um yeah I, I I was more interested in the kind of slice of life things um and things like that and then it wasn't until I read uh Scott Pilgrim that I realized okay. that the penny dropped for me and I was like oh comics can be about anything like it doesn't have to be super mm -hmm. and um yeah I feel a little bit embarrassed that it took me that long to <laughs> to uh um yeah to realize that but um I've never looked back I've kind of made comics since then awesome <laughs> yeah I wouldn't feel too bad I think I think that happens with the with a lot of people um you know and talking to them i mean i know myself i liked comics you know as a kid because it was something my dad would take us to the comic book shop as something to do and then i mean high school and college i was you know too busy reading you know assigned books to you know i didn't look i didn't pick up a comic for 20 years probably <laughs> so yeah. uh i've read a lot since then in the past in the past That's 10 good. or so you've made up um, for it now yeah i think so <laughs> And then, um, so how did you, um, how did a good game well played end up with uh, the Maverick imprint at Mad Cape Studios? Oh, see, that's a question for my editor. That's uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I just I just wrote it. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Mad Cape do seem to be doing like really exciting things with with the imprint. Um, so. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's all I know, that it's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. That's enough. Cool. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, to point out, we, we learned early on that Sienna um, is, is heading back home for a funeral. And then we, we flash back to and meet all the characters and the cast of characters at the video game store. Um, you know, without uh, giving anything away though I, I wanted to mention the the scenes of the funeral itself there's a a couple of moments of like, comedy almost levity within that scene which struck me as something that not a lot of um especially books geared towards young folks would deal with well the fact that sometimes even amongst terrible circumstances funny things happen and I thought that was so smart and it was done so well um and you know I just what was your you know approach to some of those scenes and like does that you know what informs your sense of humor and what you find funny um gosh I I think I've always been kind of naturally quite funny um 
I think, I, I mean, I didn't have the smoothest time growing up. So comedy was kind of a big coping mechanism for me and a big way that I would take out the kind of horribleness in the air and just, I don't know, if little Rachel cracks a joke, then everyone is a little bit disarmed for a minute and the grown-ups will stop maybe arguing or <laughs> talking yeah. about really horrible things. Um, right. So it's always been my go-to. Um, and also there's comedy in everything. I mean, there's, uh, like you say, people are messy. Funerals are messy. It's not going to be all gloom and doom. There's going to be some levity in there there's going to be some comedy um even if it's from someone who's desperately misread the situation and starts <laughs> starts kind of trying to sell sell himself as an artist but um yeah I think it was just getting that messiness across again um that I enjoy so much about people um yeah there's always yeah. there's always a a, a a comedy moment in everything mm -hmm. there's always a bright side in everything <laughs> yeah that's true but um what does inform your sense of humor though like what what stuff do you find funny like if you really want to laugh or need to laugh um you know i i, I certainly understand being a kid and and dis disarming people with the sense of humor it's i mean i i get that that was one of the reasons like i got picked on a lot you know for being the shortest kid in my class and it was either get in a fight or make somebody laugh and uh yeah you know, but my my sense of humor came from, you know, growing up watching things like the Three Stooges and, you know, mm. 80s comedies like uh, Steve Martin and Bill Murray. And, you know, so where what informs your sense of humor? Do you have things that now you still go to and be like, I'm putting this on. I just need a good laugh or. Are there things sure. like that um, still for you? I think I like almost a lot of like unintentional comedy. I really enjoy like um, Mystery Science Theater to 3000. I really like oh, okay. And if you know, pointing out that these people are being funny and they don't actually think they're being <laughs> funny. Um, I like things like that. Um, yeah, I like um, there's I didn't know how granular you wanted me to go. There's a podcast I really enjoy called uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is this guy. Oh, um, I, I, I knew that. Yeah. Know it? Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this guy's yeah. dad wrote this erotic novel and he decided <laughs> to read it out and to his friends and they just kind of right. made fun of it. Again, kind of like Mystery Science 3000, like right. uh, Mystery Science 33000, sorry. Um, yeah, kind of things that weren't really made to be funny, but are really funny <laughs> when you sure. look at it through a certain, uh, right. through a certain way. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, especially if somebody, you know, it depends on if someone's in on the joke, you know, I'm not a fan of like punching down, of course, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes when somebody creates something and they're very earnest about it, and there is a, a, a kind of comedy to, you know, to that looking at it from another lens, it might the the, the guy whose his father had had drawn the, the had written the porno is is very funny i mean it's just and he's very in on the joke he yeah oh, very much so <laughs> <laughs> yeah which just makes it more kind of gleeful in a way <laughs> right right yeah that uh that that's true um and so um i guess kind of uh uh turning now to some of the more you know serious side of things uh with good game well played um did you have to, you know, research in terms of some of the circumstances of this? I mean, how, how did you approach these characters' lives? Because they are all so different and do feel so real. Uh, were they based on anyone you knew? Did you look into, you know, any type of other media to try and figure out what these kids would have been going through at that time? And then I also kind of wanted to tailor that into, um, the use of Chloe Brailsford as the the sensitivity reader and and how that impacted your writing. I, I we see more and more um, sensitivity readers being used in especially comic books, and I think that's a, a wonderful thing. Um, did you have direct access in terms of uh, Chloe Brailsford, or, or was that more of um, the publisher? It was so more the publisher okay. um, that that came came through. Um, 
and yeah I was really but I was really glad to have that resource um made um, mm -hmm. sure. yeah, available sure. to us um because obviously I'm yeah <laughs> I don't I've not lived all these lives I don't um, right. <laughs> uh, know all these things um but yeah I mean I read a lot of YA stuff um you're gonna ask me what now and I can't remember it's a long time ago but yeah I read <laughs> a lot of um yeah but like novels in that right. kind of age range about kind of figuring out who you are and finding your place in the world um and going through these some massive changes uh be be that physically or or mentally or you know in in with other things that you can't control um so yeah I read a lot um I also kind of went on a bit of a a nostalgia trip to remind myself what what it was like in the 90s <laughs> um, and yeah tried to put a few kind of easter eggs about 90s things in there um, right yeah uh what else did I do yeah I mean there's there's pieces of of a lot of my friends in in the characters um because I am I am lucky to know a lot of um very different people um mm -hmm. in in my life um but yeah so a, a mixture of, of of everything that you mentioned really I I tried to do it yeah. what did in terms of taking a you know a nostalgia trip through the 90s like did you did you look at your you know go back and look at your own stuff like get out like the mm -hmm. Rachel scrapbook and and go through uh from 20 years ago or um was it a just kind bit. of yeah <laughs> a little bit like I was trying to remember what my my bedroom was like in those times and like yeah what I had in there like posters of boy bands probably and like Furbies and Tamagotchis and things like okay. that like, um so yeah uh yeah and like stuff that that we that we remember from the like things that we do get a bit nostalgic about I I found really interesting um yeah what kind of because there's books about 90s crazes and stuff that I read and it was interesting to to read what they chose to to sort of champion and and remember in in a oh, nice okay. kind of rose-tinted way I don't know right <laughs> but yeah, yeah mainly I was trying to remember what it was like back then and try and sort of put those feelings in a in a bottle for for folk reading the book I don't know okay <laughs> I tried my best <laughs> um in terms of the video game store aspect of it, what came first? Like the idea of wanting to write about friendship and writing about these kids or, you know, specifically a video game store and kind of what's your relationship with with video games? Are you were, were you a gamer at all or were, did you have a connection to that at all? Um, yeah, I played a lot of video games as a kid. Um, and uh, yeah, I still I play now and again uh, now. Um, that I'm a grown-up but yeah I, I thought that was a really nice um setting because I liked the idea of the video games being sort of allegorical as well like a different way of of the kids um like hanging out together um kind of stepping into these different bodies in a way and right. uh, yeah the, the the things on screen representing who you are a little bit I liked that kind of idea um yeah so it, yeah it was one I of my around with that a little bit <laughs> yeah one of my notes that i you know i take i take notes as i read these things and uh one of nice. my notes was that the 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 when there there's a a scene where they're playing like a co-op type of game and they're kind of mm. talking through life stuff as they're playing the game and it's like an yeah. in-game setting it it worked really well and it, it made you know it made a lot of sense and it was uh, it was it was fun to see as well. It worked on a number of levels, so I, I thought that aspect of it did make a lot of sense. And it was it was mm -hmm. fun to see the kids interact in that way, and to hear them do a mix of we're playing in game and we're talking about kind of the stuff that's going on, like kids, you know, like kids which work. yeah, which is how you play games. I think with with yeah. your pals, you you're not always going to talk about things that are happening in the game. You're also going to be like. So do, is there any snacks or like what yeah. you, what's Certainly. what we're doing later? Oh, did you ever, did you ever, like that. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Um, did you have a favorite, a favorite video game growing up? Was there one that was like special to you? 
um i do like sonic i've already mentioned sonic the comic yeah. but yeah that was probably my favorite game okay. sonic 2 is probably one of my favorite games ever right um, yeah <laughs> yeah I, I um i was never a, a big you know player of video games um mm -hmm. i haven't played for for years but um my my one recent experience with video games was i had bought one of the oculus vr oh wow things. okay Mm -hmm. and it turns out i am as uh, there's a climbing game and i am as afraid of heights in virtual reality as i am in the real world <laughs> so i have a thing with heights uh, too yeah, yeah it uh was not for me <laughs> um you know so let me just move this away you know, so one of the interesting things, and I, um, I don't mean, you know, mean this necessarily uh, in a bad way, because you said you think you're most like Sienna, but there's an idea that I've seen, you know, online, and um, there was a lot of some some discussion surrounding like the television show Ted Lasso, if you're familiar with that about. I've heard of it. Almost the like toxic positivity of the character. And um, whether or not being so positive all the time is a negative thing. And I thought of it when thinking of Sienna, that there were definitely some times where whether or not it's because she didn't want things to change or she just tried to not face the reality of the situation and kept everyone going. That, that phrase kind of struck me as she almost has, like there, there is somewhat of a downside to being too positive. Mm. Um, I mean, is that something that you think is valid in terms of in terms of characters a, a toxic positivity or do you think that you know you can never be too positive no um definitely i and i think toxic positivity was rife in the 90s we hadn't really started talking yeah. properly uh you know in society about depression and and mental health issues in 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 that way it was kind of like Oh, just try smiling, like, and it was very kind right. of surface level uh, stuff. Um, and yeah, I think Sienna is is guilty of that, definitely. Um, and it's not until she's kind of forced to connect on a much deeper level with her friends that she realizes that, that yeah, she needs to be able to help in in different ways, and the ways in which she's comfortable with maybe aren't quite working. And yeah, right. Um, Again, very messy, <laughs> very yeah. messy characters. <laughs> they are, but um, you know, Sienna though is, you know, she she is very earnest though. I mean, she mm. really does love her friends, and they're, you know, when once you get through all of it, and I, you know, read it and then went back and read that opening scene again, mm. and you know the the idea that things can happen. 10 years ago that you think about all the time and that yeah. the people involved they don't there's a there's a part of that that it might just all be in your in your head you know how you perceived it um mm. and that nobody else is thinking about these things uh and you know that really affected her for years it seemed um mm. and I, I don't want to give away you know what's what, I, what exactly <laughs> i'm talking about you're going to have to read it everybody which i encourage you all to do um but yeah that was you know that was very um very true again true to life very true to life in terms of how she really focused on that that some of those things and carried them with her for you know for a long time um was that a difficult kind of mindset to be in when you're writing it and think about that character and those emotions like does that does that get inside do your characters sometimes get inside your head where you have to you know, sit with those feelings, or are you able to? No, I'm writing this. I'm closing the book, and Sienna's in the <laughs> in the book or on the laptop, and uh, and Rachel is, you know, and Rachel is Rachel. Um, no, I do. Like, it's been a while since I've written it now, but I do think about those characters sometimes, um, <laughs> as if they're kind of old friends of mine, which I think they are in in a way. Right. Um, but yeah, they they do get into your brain and uh and live there rent free for a while especially when you <laughs> when you're writing with them every day um 
but yeah, I don't know. That's just the way I, I treat my characters. I think I, I have like conversations with them and that sounds absolutely insane, but like, yeah, I will just talk to them in my brain and I will give them space to kind of be who they are. And, and maybe that's why they kind of come across on the pages as kind of really real in a way. Um, right. Obviously Catherine did, did a lot of the work for that too. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, and, and, definitely with the kind of talking about you know thinking about things for 10 years like yeah there's things that I've done that I wish I could go back and change and and you know uh but I I, I can't and I just need to to move forward but I think also our brains do do that thing for us to kind of make things seem simpler than they are like if I could change one thing that I did 10 years ago would it really change that much or would it change in the way that I wanted it to I don't I don't know so it's it's kind of I don't know I think that's our brains just trying to simplify things for us yeah I think to really change something we'd have to be a completely different person (laughs) no I yeah I I agree I think that makes sense I mean you know you've made the decisions you made you're the person you are and you don't know a bit of the butterfly effect you don't know if you go back and change one thing who you'll end up being. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Catherine uh, in, in terms of the, 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 the artistry and the, and the colors. Um, there is a lot in, in terms of the visual storytelling. There is a lot of emotion on these characters' yeah. faces, and especially in times when they are going through it. Um, it, it is, uh, her style suits this very mm. well. Um, yeah. and the colors, it, it's very, it's very vibrant. It's a very mm. lived in world. Um, and so, yeah, those, those visual, you know, it is a it's comic books, it's a visual medium and those storytelling mm-hmm. aspects and the layouts are, I mean, excellent. They, they work very well. You would think that the two of you were, you know, sitting down next to each other, working on it every day. It really, it really, it works well. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it really works well. Thank you. <laughs> um, any particular, re- I was just curious, any particular reason in terms of the, where the book is set? It's um, in, I think Sienna starts in um, Austin and then uh, to Boston. Any reasoning yeah. in, in terms of the setting, in terms of those those cities? I think that might have been Chris's idea, right? Oh, okay. From the get off, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a long so time the... ago now, forgive me. Oh, no, yeah. no, it's fine. It's fine. That's. Uh, editor Chris Sanchez um all right yeah I was just curious in, in terms of those uh those two settings um and have you have you been to the U.S. a lot have you you've come here have you ever visited <laughs> I um, actually don't know I've come uh where have I been I went along um I did LA but I was kind of quite young um okay you know, my mom and dad came and kind of visited a few places around there um, as a grown-up, I've done like New York Comic Con a couple of times. Right. Um, I love New York. Um, it's it's very overwhelming though. <laughs> um, where else have I been? Um, and I've done it's usually for work, so like I've done like um, the Toronto Comics um, Art okay. Festival as well. Nice. Um, so yeah. Uh, oh, and um, not the big San Diego Comic Con, but the San Diego Comic Fest I did. Um, okay. A few years ago and yeah it's beautiful I'm always like I have to always remind myself how big it is (laughs) so everything is bigger (laughs) yeah Yeah. um uh, yeah that I I wonder you know living here in the U.S. I mean I haven't been to San Diego Comic-Con but Mm. I've been to a few other ones in the in the past few years and I mean even just going to New York uh, I've New York is, I, I feel overwhelming if you don't live there, no matter how many times you visit, but I'm only two yeah. hours away. And it's <laughs> every time I go, it's like, man, this place is big. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, um, in addition to uh, Good Game Well Played and some of the other things, the other comics uh, that you have worked on in the past, what else? Are you working on anything else or what do you have coming up? Um, I'm working on a book at the moment called Isabella and Bloodwin, uh, which is about a young girl um, and a thousand year old witch who have a very strange uh, friendship together. 
um, and that's set in Oxford, uh, the university town um, in England. And yeah, that should be out in the summer. So I'm excited about that. Nice. Um, what else am I doing? We I had a book out called The Queen's Favourite Witch um, uh, late last year. And uh, we're working on volume two of that. So that'll oh, be out fun. with... Yeah, that'll be out with Paper Cuts, um, an American publisher. Um, uh, yeah, later this year. This <laughs> is very big. Um, I'm not very good with dates. <laughs> It'll be out soon. And yeah, I've got, um, I've just had Wired Up Wrong out with Icon Books, which is a diary comic like we talked about. Um, right. About me. And then we've got another one coming out um, in the summer, I think, uh, called Stand in Your Power which is kind of, yeah, about like um, mental health issues, but um, also going through a breakup and things like that. Um, oh, cool. So quite, hopefully quite relatable and- uh, Right. Yeah. Good, good, uh, awesome. Things that will speak to people. <laughs> well, if I, if I uh, I'll track down the dates and I'll put them in the show notes. So anybody, <laughs> yeah, everyone listening will be able to, to, to go to yeah. those. Um, for the first one you mentioned, uh, Isabella and... Um, Bloodwin. Bloodwin? Is it's that a, a really old name. So no one's is, called Bloodwin for like ages, but yeah. Isabella is, and Bloodwin. <laughs> is that a graphic novel too? Or is that uh, yes, a single? Yes, sorry. Oh, nice. these, are all, these are all graphic novels, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Are I'm you drawing draw that one myself. Oh, yes. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, I'm having man. fun with that. <laughs> wow, that sounds great. Um, nothing like a friendship between a young girl and a thousand-year-old witch, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And Bloodwin has been very fun to draw. She's an absolutely just bonkers character. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I can't. Been, she's been fun to work with. <laughs> I can't wait to check that out. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that'll be out with um, Cast Iron Books, which is a British. Oh, British cool. Yeah, Cast Iron's <laughs> been doing a lot of great stuff. A lot so of exciting. Really, a lot of really good stuff. I think they did Candles. And, they did yes Lyndon. Yeah. yeah right right Lyndon white <laughs> and um yeah so that's uh that's fantastic yeah all their uh, books are a little bit out there a little bit off the wall <laughs> which I know that's yeah me too um I mean I you know read my fair share of once I got back into comics I read my fair share of you know big two superhero books mm. and whatnot but um I I tend to go towards either um really fun supernatural fantasy type of stories or mm. dower is the wrong word but like more like slice of life jeff lemire yeah. kind of essex mm. county um so you know a little bit of everything uh yeah. before we go and i i i did want to ask because you worked on doctor who um, I did, yes. And I, I'm a Doctor Who fan. Are were you a fan of Doctor Who, or was this just like, oh, I, I got a job? Was it a, a paycheck type of assignment? When Either I answer's got, fine. <laughs> <laughs> when I got asked to pitch for the job, I actually yeah. hadn't really watched very much of it, so I had to okay. properly binge it for for a while. <laughs> like oh, my man. housemate at the time would go to work, and you know, in an office like a normal person does. And then would would leave me watching Doctor Who and then she'd get in and I'd still be watching Doctor Who and she'd just be like, so this is your job now? I was like, yeah, apparently. <laughs> I had a lovely day, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, then I then I, I had the kind of knowledge to, to pitch right. for the job and, and thankfully got it. And you got um, it. And yeah, so that was did, a really did, fun gig. Did, did, you, uh, did you like it? Did you find things in it that you, you know, having not really, I mean, not, maybe not, you know, totally exposed to it or been a fan of it? Were there things that you found in it that you that you liked? For sure, yeah. yeah. It's it's a really kind of joyful show. And yeah, I love I love the Doctor in, in all of their, <laughs> mm -hmm. in their ways. Um, so my, the Doctor I ended up working on was um, the David Tennant. Um, right. Doctor, and I, yeah, I really like, like that one. Oh, so that's that good. good. But I've done a few covers as well for, for the different for the different ones. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I got into Doctor Who kind of late in life. It was not I don't it was something I always heard about as a kid from like mm. older friends who had liked it. And then um I think once it hit some streaming service, I binged it and then was yeah very much um very much into it. So uh yeah, I was a we kind of became a fan and got my brother into it and, and 
nice. we binged a lot of it together but uh yeah it's oh, it's, yeah, it's it, a lovely show to share with someone else like that that's nice <laughs> I, yeah it is it is and and just in terms of a science fiction kind of show that has a lot of like big out there you know type of concepts has a lot of heart um so yeah i was uh yeah i was interested in terms of your you know experience with it and approach to it and do you have a deeper appreciation of it having worked on it now for sure yeah definitely i don't know if my comics are considered like canon but, right uh, so basically my job was to do like um i would get between two or four pages at the back of the um comics right. to do okay. like a silly kind of joke like humor comic about mm -hmm. his um his adventures um so yeah, um, a lot of it was kind of giving jobs to the to the baddies. So like I had a ood that worked in a in a smartphone shop, and he'd tra <laughs> traded in his like orb for a, a smartphone and things like that. And, yeah, um, so I did have a lot of fun with that. Um, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's pretty a, great. A, a, Santaran who worked in a little burger van and yeah it's very very silly very silly comics but great great fun to work on yeah no it sounds like it that's uh that, that is like a, a fun aspect to play in that world and take something that you know mm. you wouldn't expect to see and put a Santaran working at like a food truck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um all right Rachel um I cannot thank you enough for coming on today and talking me to talking to me about good game well played and i just want to remind everyone that you can find it at your local comic shop on april 12th and in bookstores uh may 3rd and um please check it out as well as uh rachel's other comics that are going to be that are already out and i'll link to your website and uh some of the other comics we've mentioned once i uh, i'll track down the dates but uh rachel thank you very much it's been a pleasure thank you so much for having me <laughs> yeah i really appreciate it all right and uh everyone out there listening have a, a great day and i will see you next time bye this is byron o'neill one of your hosts of the cryptid creator corner brought to you by comic book yeti we hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.